After 30 years of serving as a Greek Orthodox priest in the U.S., Tom of Ramis decides in 2008 to leave the priesthood which shocked his family and parishioners. Today I'm talking to his daughter, Alethea of Ramis, who made a feature-length documentary called Sundays about her father's journey into confronting himself. Sunday's world premiered online due to COVID-19 at the Thessaloniki Documentary Film Festival. Having lived in the States for many years myself, I really connected with the multiple layers of the film about a Greek-American who was trying to find happiness and who ultimately really wanted to be seen for who he was. I'm Dina, and you're listening to The One Fierce Heart, a podcast about people finding wisdom, courage, and compassion when life got challenging. So here's Alethea. So when um, my father first decided that he didn't think he could be a priest anymore, should be a priest anymore, it was a huge shock for not just me, but my family and for many other people because he was very beloved in the community and he, he had an impact on a lot of different people. I mean, my, my whole life, I would go to places, um, you know, if I was traveling somewhere, visiting somewhere, and if I was going to church, I would have people ask me, who are you and, and what's your background? And whenever I mentioned my father, they would just, you know, there were stories. Um, I remember one time in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I was visiting a friend there when I was a teenager and I went to the local Greek Orthodox church and the priest afterwards asked me to introduce myself and I told him who I was and my name. And he looked at me and he said, your father is the reason I am a priest. And he goes, he was the first Greek priest I had ever met. And he was so instrumental to my development as a person and to my journey as a Christian. And here I am, you know, as a, as a priest with my own church now. And so things like that happened to me my whole life. So it was, it was a really big shock when, when he had this, to me, it, it came out of nowhere. And to me, it was like a revelation that he was having. But as I dug deeper into everything, I saw that that wasn't the case for him. He this had been something that he had been in some inner turmoil over his role as a priest for several decades and hadn't, um, hadn't really confronted that or faced that in a, in a really meaningful way. And so to me, the, the, at the beginning, I, I didn't really know what to do. I, I felt very lost with my own identity as well as his, as his daughter, so much of my, as I say in the film, so much of my own identity was, was through him too. And so the only thing I thought to do in the moment, and I didn't think it would be a film at that point, it just was a way for me to understand him and what he was going through and what was going on. I picked up a camera and started filming him and interviewing him. And at the time he was very raw with emotions and it was, extremely intimate and it was just me and him and the camera. I mean, I filmed everything myself in the beginning later on when I actually decided, okay, yes, this would be a, be a film. I started working with a cinematographer, but at the, at the time and some of the most raw and emotional footage I have is just, it's just me working with him directly. Um, so that, that was the genesis of the, of the project. 
And um, I didn't pursue it full on at the beginning. So it took some years for it to kind of coalesce and take shape. And I had, I was in London a few years after I had started filming and somebody introduced me to um, the team at Passion Pictures who had just released Searching for Sugar Man. If you're familiar with that documentary that I, you know, that I had loved. And so their head of development at the time, a woman named Nicole Stott, she, she really encouraged me to make this a film. She had watched some of the footage that I had and was moved by it. And, um, she, she kind of encouraged me to, to pursue it as a, as a feature length documentary and to start to piece together what the story could be. And once I started to do that, I I just kind of like opened up a whole other level of, of this. And it was then that my father said to me, you know, if you, if you do want to explore this, um, there is this film that I made in the late eighties when you were just a toddler about what it was like to be a priest. I just thought, okay, whoa, (laughs) what? You know, I had never heard of this or seen this. My, my mother had seen the film, but other than her, um, nobody had really seen it. Um, aside from also, uh, he was in a master's of psychology class and at the time in the late eighties then, and he had done this almost like as a class exercise, but nobody had really seen it. And once I saw that, then that really cinched the deal for me in terms of, okay, this, this is a film and it can be a film as long as my father will be open to it. I think he, he didn't take so much convincing to, to work with at that point. He had already of course really poured himself out to me in some of those initial um, uh, interviews and um, time that we had spent together. But um, this was like another, another kind of level where he realized, okay, this, if this could really, really be something, but I think he wanted his, his story to be told as well. Um, but it, it evolved over, over time and it's about 45 minutes long. And since you've seen the film, you know, you've seen, you've seen maybe half of it because <laughs> we have quite a bit of his, of this documentary of his within, within Sundays, within my film. I always called it a film within a film because I felt that it was something that couldn't really exist without the anchor of his, of his own film. And because this really wasn't meant for anybody to see it widely, the level of intimacy with which he expresses himself in his own film is so, is so deep and so open. It's like kind of like opening the brain to a priest and, and seeing what the feelings and emotions are of, of the day to day, you know, not a lot of people know, I think that the pressure or the emotional burdens that our priests carry. And it's a very real thing. I think their um, emotional health and their mental health. Cause I mean, they are, they are people after all too, um, that go through, the same emotions that, that we do, of course. And they have this, uh, they have a, a job that involves taking care of other people emotionally, um, much like 
psychologists or, or even doctors, you know, yeah, I, I don't know if you've heard that sometimes the, I think it, it might've been St. John Chrysostom. It could have been another saint too. I'm not remembering <laughs> exactly, but, but one of the early church fathers said, you know, the, the church is a, is a hospital for the soul. And so in that sense, the priests are these spiritual doctors for us. Well, doctors, doctors get very, um, tired and worn out too and need to take time for themselves. And so um, that was something that, that I think was really evident in his, in his film that he had made. He was feeling very, um, very burdened by um, what he was, what he was being asked to do. I think he, he loved it and he loved working with people. And as he says in the film, I wish I could spend more time with these people and their problems, but it's, it's a very heavy thing to be doing. And I don't, I think that he was really trying to find his way through um, how to, how to take care of himself while, while taking care of, of his parish and his people and people who really, who really needed him. And, you know, I was thinking back to when I was making the film about how young he was. I mean, he was 28 years old when he was ordained a priest and he was first assigned to a cathedral in Phoenix, Arizona. And because they didn't have enough support and priests there, he was hearing confessions before he was 30 at the time as I understand is what he had told me that priests were not supposed to hear confessions until after age of 30, but they had made an exception in his case just due to the logistics of the, of that area and all of that. And so that's, that's quite young, (laughs) you know, if you think about it to, to have to, to have to, um, to deal with such an emotional, um, component of, of other people's lives and very, you know, very, very heavy things. And so, um, it's, I can't imagine being, you know, I'm in my early thirties, but you know, I can't imagine being 28, 29, you know, before 30 and, and having to tell people so many things and deal with all of these things. I know that's the job of course, right. Spiritually, this is what, this is what it means to be a priest, but nonetheless, it's, it's still a very, um, a very heavy and, and real thing to be so involved in other people's lives in that way. How do you think your dad like coped with that during that period in his life? Or, I mean, do you know, I don't know, like what were his coping well, strategies? You know, did he rely on his faith? Yeah. <laughs> I want to say ice cream. Um, <laughs> That's a good coping strategy. I want to say ice cream because actually in, in reality, he's been, he's been a really big ice cream freak his whole life. And not to make light of it, but there's a, there's another priest who I interview in the film uh, that he grew up with. And, you know, they had gone to seminary together and they, they're like ice cream freaks together. Um, you know, so no, I, but I think, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, <laughs> that that was one thing, but I think that, I think, that was why he had made his film. One of the reasons, because he was having a hard time finding ways to cope. You know, he was exploring his own emotions and his own feelings about this role that he had 
and how he was, how he could reconcile that with the extreme desire and of his calling and of his, um, you know, of his, of his role, but also what that role meant to himself, to his own family and to how people saw him and, and viewed him. There were a lot of things, of course, that, that did not make it into the film, um, due to, you know, structure and editing and, you know, the normal sort of things of making a film. But there was an interview that's not in the film that I have with him where he says, you know, I, there were a lot of times where I just couldn't trust, um, people's respect of me or admiration of me. I wanted to just be seen for me. I didn't want my hand kissed, for example, because that everybody has to do that, you know, and felt that they had to do that. I wanted to be seen for me. And I think that's, um, that's also sort of a theme of the, of the film too is, is who is he and what does it mean to really be, be seen? And I think that's one of the universal aspects of the, of the film too, that I was hoping when I was making it like, okay, this is one man's story about confronting his own life, but, what does it mean? How can that mean something to, to other people in their own lives? How did that, um, you know, after you saw your dad's films and did that change how you saw him or what happened there for you? You know, it was a really, um, complex process. I mean, it, during the process of making of the film, that was when I really became an adult, I would say, you know, or felt like I became an adult. There wasn't a particular moment, but it, it's, you know, I think we all have reckonings with our own parents and, and moments or, or periods of time where we begin to separate from them as their sons or daughters and see them as individuals with their own, you know, ambitions and thoughts and dreams and goals. And, um, you know, we don't really think of that when we're children, our parents are just our parents and they're there to take care of us, but we don't necessarily think of them as, you know, their own people that have their own lives and own ambitions. And this was the making of this film was the process in which I feel like I really separated from both of my parents as my own person and individual in a very real, um, palpable way. Um, because I, they, because they allowed me to get so close to, to them and the situation and to be, just be really open and frank with everything, um, throughout our interview process, I really began to see myself as separate from them. You know, I'm, so that, that was a very, that was a very powerful process that, that changed me. And I think it changed my relationship with both of my parents in a, in a, in a different way, not in a necessarily good or bad way, but it, you know, it changed our dynamics. Um, my father and I are very similar in a lot of ways. So throughout the making of the film, there were a lot of, um, you know, there were intense interviews and times, but neither of us, are ones to shut things like that down or to shy away from them. And so we were able to have 
um, very open and honest conversations with each other um, that, uh, that I think, you know, that we needed, that we needed to have. And I think we're definitely a lot closer after the making of this, but I think it's also a period of time where it's like, okay, we made this together and now it's done. Right. Like we've, we've closed a chapter of both of our lives. I know for me, the finishing of the film was a really big deal. It really felt like, okay, now I can close that chapter on, on my life. And then for him, I think it was, it was something that now it's really, it's really done and it's really over and I'm moving on. So you both got some sense of closure in your own way with the completion of this film. Yeah. I don't think that he needed the film as much as I needed the film, you know, uh, towards the end of the process. I, I know that he was, it's funny how our parents are sometimes like, okay, yeah, you're working on your project. Okay. That's great. You know, but then, (laughs) then we were in Greece one summer a few years ago and we were meeting with my producers. I have a wonderful team in Greece. Um, it's the production company heretic, Yorgos Karnavas and Konstantinos Kantovrakis are the producers. And, and we had a meeting with my dad and, and with Yorgos and Yorgos was so great and making him feel comfortable. And, and, but afterwards, you know, we're walking away from that and, and my dad goes, Oh, I said, this is like a real thing. <laughs> like you're actually doing this. <laughs> this is like a real project. This isn't just like, you know, you with the camera kind of following me around. <laughs> this is, this is going to be a real thing. And then, and then, you know, that there's obviously some, I don't know if I want to say hesitation, but there's, there's like a realization of like, okay, well, my story is going to be, widely, widely shown. And, um, you know, I think, I think everybody gets a little bit nervous about sharing your truth and sharing your story, no matter how many years later it is or, or whatever, but that's kind of how the process went with, with him. There were, there were definitely challenging moments, but I think both of us are, are much stronger for it. And we have a very, very good and an open relationship, which I have to say, it was a, it was a risk that, that I took. Um, my, my editor had made a very personal film about her own father and had a little bit of a different experience when she was wrapping the film. And so I w I was nervous about that, but I think that I always said to myself, you know, if this is something that either one of us isn't comfortable with showing the world or or releasing, then, then I will respect that and I won't show it for me with a personal film. I, you know, every filmmaker has to make that, that decision. But for me, it was, it was always going to be the number one thing was going to be my relationship with my father and, and with my mother. And um, so of course he, you know, he saw the film first before we, were embarking on any uh, plans with it once it was finished. And what was his reaction to it? You know, it's so much time has gone by since I first started filming. I mean, it was almost 10 years. And at that point, again, as I said, I wasn't planning on making a film, but I think he's felt detached from it. 
at that point. I mean, and it's funny when I watch it too, I do feel like I'm looking at a, uh, a different person. I mean, the evolution has been so stark and it's, it's been so much. And so, yeah, his, his reaction was a lot more, um, it was, it was different than what I was expecting. I was worried that it would open up a whole new, you know, that it would basically reopen wounds from the past. That's what I was, my concern was when he was going to see the film. And I think maybe it has to a certain extent. I don't want to speak for him so much, but I think that he, has gotten to a place in his life where he's content and um, it doesn't necessarily bother him to see his, his documentary, let's say, I don't think it's, is as painful. I think he has, I think he has a lot of pride in what he did accomplish as a priest. There are so many people over the years that were positively impacted by him. I think that he is really proud of the accomplishments and the people that he that he helped and that he was a good priest too for all those years. One of the themes that, um, you know, I really connected with in the film was doing things to please others as a recovering people pleaser, like I call myself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It was one of the things I really connected with, you know, in the film and, um, it just, you know, and, and in your dad's experience, and I could hear like so much of that when he spoke to, you know, I mean, it was so powerful that at his mother's funeral, right, he mm-hmm. uh, decided, you know, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be a priest anymore. So um, was how connected was that like to his, like his relationship with his mom or, you know, just him, I don't know. I just had so much compassion for him and that experience. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's also another point in the film where he and I are having this Skype conversation and he said, you know, your experience as a second generation Greek American is so different than my experience as a first generation Greek American. And I think that really speaks to the relationship with his, with his parents specifically his mother, my, my, yeah, because, you know, they, of course, like a lot of immigrant children from all different cultures, there is, there are a lot of expectations and pressures and, um, certain, certain things that, that I think those, those children face. And I think he faced a lot of that. I think now he, he, he feels and obviously is expressed in the film that my, yeah, did play a big role in his decision to, to become a priest, but maybe he didn't realize it at the time. Maybe he was just really, you know, he was really young. I mean, my mom says in the film, she tells the story about how they were in high school together and it was kind of a known thing in the halls that like, you know, this guy wants to be a priest. Like, so it was, wasn't a sudden thing that he had decided to do. It was something that he had been considering for a long time, but I think this, idea of duty and family obligation is is very real um for a lot of people and i think it was really real for him my what's not talked about or explored in the film is just gives a little bit more context is that in the late 60s early 70s so he has an older brother my uncle my theo jim who's who is interviewed in the film too as you as you saw he was 
Um, I don't think if he was, I don't think he was drafted, but he, but to avoid the draft for Vietnam, he went into the army and he left the family in Tucson. And that is something that my dad points to as one of the big moments of, of pressure on him because suddenly he was the man of the house because my, my papu, my grandfather was, was beginning to get sick with, with ALS, which is what he eventually died from. So my, my father was in high school and suddenly he had to, you know, help my yaya with everything. Cause my grandfather was, was starting to lose some of his mobility and become more sick and, and he didn't have his brother there. And so I think he also felt like, okay, what can I do that will really please my family and be something that, that everybody can be, can be proud of. And I mean, this is just, things that we've, he and I have talked about over a number of years. And it's not necessarily totally, totally explained in the film, but, but as you were saying, you know, this sort of like people pleasing, I think that some of his, his decisions, uh, these, these situations kind of certainly factored in to his decision to, to go to seminary and to, and to become a priest. But I think he, you know, he wanted to help people. That was another thing. I mean, that was really evident and you see that in his film and you see that in the interview with the, with the other priest who's in, who's in the film too, of that he, he was preaching in parks when he was a teenager. And just, I think he has always wanted to, to reach people and to connect with people. I think that being a, yeah, being a, it's a fine line, right? Between being a people pleaser, but also really loving people and wanting to connect with them on, on deep levels. But I think it's a struggle, as you said, for, for all of us and for so many people of like finding that balance, you know, and, and doing things for, for ourselves. I got a lot of messages during the festival run of Thessaloniki from people, some of whom I knew and some of whom I didn't know, saying that that was also a theme that really resonated with them. This idea of what does it mean to really go after something because it's what you, you want and examining, well, is this really what I want or am I doing this to, to fulfill somebody else's um, ideas of what I should be doing and or somebody else's dreams. Even um, I think that's something that, you know, everybody, everybody faces at one point or another. Yeah. And, you know, even after so long, you know, seeing your dad, like it, it, it gave me hope for people because even after all those years, he just, you know, reconnected with that part of himself and found that strength and courage to be like, okay, you know, I'm walking away from this. Right. So even after all those years he was able to to do that so that was like a really hopeful message that I got from that um and a message of strength like it's never too late you know yeah um so yeah that was a very very uh powerful moment uh, in in the documentary for me and as a as a greek american like someone that, you know, I lived in America for, for like 28 years and coming back to Greece. The other part that I connected with, uh, when your dad was like, I feel so connected to Greece. And, you know, um, 
I'm sure you feel uh, the same way about Greece, right? Yeah. Like we all love Greece, but there is really something so powerful and something so grounding here. And I never felt like I belonged in America, even though I lived there for so long, I never truly felt like I belonged the way I feel like I belong when I'm in Greece, you know? So that was really, yeah. really interesting to see, um, you know, your dad talk about that as well. I too feel, um, the same way that, that you do, um, you know, especially now with a lot of things, things happening in the U S and our political situation and who's in the white house, <laughs> not to talk about that, but yeah, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things that, that make me feel like, I'm as an individual, just so far away from, from the, the culture here, um, in a lot of ways. And my father said to me at one point, he said, you know, I, uh, and, and this is discussed in the film too. Um, he said, you know, I wish they had never left meaning his, his, his parents, my Yayam Papu, I wish they had never left Greece and brought me up in America, which, you know, that interview was done at a time that was, that was, it was a long time ago. Uh, and he just kind of, you know, had blurted it out, but I know that's what his, where his, where his heart was. And in a lot of ways, it was very moving, I think, to hear him say, you know, it's a, it's a culture that, that understands human weakness and emotion in a way that we're so far away from in America. And I, I have to say, you know, I, I do agree with, with that too. And, and I think, yes, as that's, that's the sort of like Greek American and diaspora perspective that I, I wanted to put into the film too, because in so many ways, it's, it's a Greek American story aside from being a story about a, about a priest. So much of it is tied to, you know, these experiences that we have, I think as, as Greek Americans. And that's why I was so interested to see the reaction of Greeks in Greece to the film, you know, because I didn't know how they would understand or orient it. I think that, you know, the role of a priest in Greece is, is really different than the role of a Greek Orthodox priest in America. You know, it's the church, of course, is the cultural hub for so many things. It's not just they go into the service and then they, you know, they kind of, you know, don't have a lot of administrative things to do. They do have some administrative things to do, of course, but it's, it's much different, the role of the priests and how active they are in their parishioners' lives in the U.S. You know, you have the youth groups and like, you know, dance groups and everything. It's just, it's very different, right? So yeah, it's I was I was very interested in in seeing how how Greek people would 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 kind of react to to that and just seeing what my what my dad's uh, experience was, you know. Being you know a Greek Greek American, I think that's why I connected and I understood in a different light than what you know a Greek here. Um, maybe would have because I have lived that experience. I know how it is. You know, I know exactly how the church operates and how it is there and the culture behind it, right, in America, and how it's such a hub for the Greeks to stay connected to the culture. And it's so different 
than being a Greek in Greece, you know, um, it's, it's so different. And I don't know, um, how other Greeks would, um, I don't know what, you know, what they've told you. I'd be so interested in hearing what Greeks have told you about the film. Um, but the Greek culture, as much as we like, like how your dad said, you know, to his parents, I wish you never left. There's this longing that being split in between these two countries that is always present for me. And there was a longing for Greece. And that's a longing that people don't have here because they just, I mean, that's just the experience, right? Right. And, you know, it's also such a complex culture because, it's also very like demanding and deeply rooted in a lot of patriarchal, you know, um, systems. Right. So it's just so complicated and complex and it's like beauty. Um, but I'm curious, like if you've heard of like how Greeks have connected to that, cause like, I know, you know, uh, someone told me that they saw the film and they like just love the story of, your dad and they saw him as like this human being, you know, and their experience, but not really comprehending the story of the Greek American behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that, um, and that's why I was, as I said, I was like really interested to hear what Greeks from Greece would think about it versus Greek Americans. I have to say, I'm, you know, I am, nervous to have greek americans watch it especially those who are let's say devout to the to the church because frankly the decision that my dad made was really radical right it's not common for a priest to to leave the priesthood and to say that this is not really what i what i want for my life anymore i mean you know it's like it's like being a rabbi you're a priest for for life it's not like being an american let's say evangelical pastor who has other jobs or something it's you know this is this is who you are all of the all of the people that i really worked with of course on the film i had a greek production company and and I had also a, a friend here in LA who's a, a Greek producer from, from Greece was, was a producer on the film too. And I really only wanted Greeks from Greece involved in the making of the film. I did not necessarily, uh, the community of Greek Americans was never, um, I never felt like my community growing up, <laughs> even though I grew up, you know, in Southern California, you know, I just, I didn't connect as much. I mean, you know, I'm, I, of course I'm more of an artist type and, and knew I always wanted to do film. And, um, I just, I wasn't like, I don't want to say drinking the Kool-Aid because it's not quite like that, but I, I just didn't buy into the whole, Greek American experience and upbringing in the same way that a lot of others do. Um, you know, and even today, all of my Greek friends in, you know, here in LA where I, where I live are Greeks from Greece. I don't have many friends, close friends, I should say, who are, who are Greek Americans. Um, I just relate and get along with so much more, people who are actually from, from Greece. I don't know why that is. I mean, that's something really interesting. I should probably <laughs> dig into <laughs> at some point, but 
Yeah, it's just, it's different. It's different, you know, because I was raised in Greece and then moved back to Sacramento and I had the same experience where I could not connect with the Greek Americans. So yeah, trying to unpack all that, I'm sure there's like all these yeah. layers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it is, it is interesting to, I have had to explain to my Greek friends from Greece, like what, what it is like to, to grow up here as a Greek American is a very different, different upbringing that they have in Greece. I mean, you know, it's a, at the end of the day, it is a different country. Right. And even though we share so many similarities, there's, there, it, it is really different. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different things. I'm trying to think like the other day I was meeting our, our Kumbadi live in LA. They're Greeks from Greece and they, they live in LA and they're amazing friends. And I was telling them about like an anecdote of something that had to do with growing up Greek American. And they were like, Oh, really? It's also part, I mean, for me, it had been, you know, leaving Greece when I was 18 to go to college in Sacramento it was part of my identity, right? To be Greek there. So it's how I defined my being in Greece. So I had to cling on to that identity really, really hard um, to define myself there. So I think that's like a lot of the behind the experience of being a Greek American there because you know, I don't know. It's it's just a different layering of an identity of a Greek there as opposed to a Greek in Greece. There's just different, um, it's a different context, I yeah. think, for people. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think we as Greek Americans, you know, we have to, there is so much more effort needed to maintain our connection to to Greece and you know, it's, it's a lot more effort. I always found it more difficult living on the, on the West coast. You know, I, I knew kids growing up in Chicago and in New York who had very different experiences too, as Greek Americans, right? Because they're in cities where there are more Greeks and there's maybe like a Greek town and there's a section of their city. I mean, we don't really have that in California, you know, and on the, on the West coast. So even geographically, I think within the United States, you have a very different experience too, you know, and for my father, you know, he grew up in Tucson, Arizona in the sixties, you know, in seventies, like, what was that like? Where there's like a very small (laughs) Greek community. I mean, we're talking like, you know, the desert, um, that was an even, even smaller and more, more insular, uh, community to, to grow up into, I imagine. And of course that's before like our methods of communication that we have today too, and what that must've been like. Um, so I think that, that, you know, we were talking a bit earlier about his decision to become a priest. Like that's, that's also a way to keep, to keep a connection to, to our culture, which I think was really, really important to, to him, but also to, to his, his family. And this is briefly talked about in the film, but his uncle was a priest and he had moved after world war II from, from Messinia, which is where my family's from. He had moved to 
Arizona because they needed priests in the U.S., especially in these in the West and these communities that were starting to grow more after after the war. That's why they grew up there. Really, that's that's how they kind of ended up in Arizona and in, and in Tucson. So he had priests, you know, in his family. But my uncle, of course, was like from the old country, very old school. But that was that was something that was around him too. How would you um, describe like your connection to spirituality and your faith and, you know, growing up as a priest's daughter, you know, and in the Greek American um, Orthodox church community? Since, since I embarked on the making of this film and since my father um, decided to leave the priesthood, my, my own relationship with the church has certainly changed, but I would say spiritually, the church is hugely important to me. I spend a lot of time, <clears throat> it's not something that I, you know, talk about so often, but I do, I do spend time at monasteries in Greece as a group of monasteries that I go to regularly. That's, that's like my spiritual home. I consider it my, my spiritual home. The role of the church administratively is set up differently in so many different countries. So that's why I'm, I've never really liked to get too involved in, in, in that part of everything. But I think that spirituality is something that, that still plays a very big role in my life and something that I think always, always will. And you can probably relate to this too, but there is something so sacred about, walking into a church in Greece, and this is just what I love is like, you know, they're open during the day and you can just go in and have a moment and light a candle. That's always been something that I love to do so much whenever I'm in Greece. And I wish, you know, that we had that here more in the States, but it's, it's something that is so tied together to me, the culture and the, and the spiritual aspect of it. And I don't know if a lot of other young and let's say modern professional Greeks feel that way. But I think for me, I mean, I'm much more, I would say, quote unquote, religious than my Greek friends from Greece. You know, it's, and even some of my family members there, um, you know, it's, it's something that I think is, is a very different experience for them. But, but for me, it was something that, that has always been really important. And I think a lot of it has to do with my, yeah, I mean, she was very religious and, you know, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of other stories I could tell about, about her and like, the, you know, how devoted she was. And it was like very, very sweet and, and all of that. But for me, it's a way of also keeping my relatives and ancestors memories al- alive to honor the people from our, from our past. And I think the spirituality is one way um, that I connect with them. My hopes for the film, I really hope that um, more people can see it. I mean, this year has been totally turned upside down because of the coronavirus, as you know. <laughs> so, um, you know, Thessaloniki as a festival was, was held online. It was, it was canceled the day in person. It was canceled the day before it was supposed to leave um, to go to, to Greece. And so that was, that was like obviously a big, a big shift. And so I just want people to see it. I want to be able to have a dialogue with, with people who, who see it and, and just basically take it out. I mean, that's, I think that's as a filmmaker, that's really what you want. And you always look forward to is having the opportunity to, 
to finally share your work. And this film has been such a long time coming that, you know, I was, um, and, and am still excited to share it with as many people as possible. So we're continuing to have it out on the festival circuit, but again, it's, uh, it's kind of a odd year <laughs> and it looks like 2021 will also be an odd year. Um, just depending on how this shakes out and, if and when it's safe to have in-person gatherings and, you know, it may just be, just be online for a little while, which, which is okay. You know, again, I just think it's important for people to see the film. So, um, it's very, very fluid (laughs) right now. (laughs) What's next for, for the actual film itself. Um, just because every, every week or so, it seems like there's, there's pivots and, um, and new, news coming out about the the festival circuit in general for worldwide cinema. And for me next, I am having, I'm in development on two new documentaries. It's very early stages right now, but um, I'm more in a research and and development phase for these. And I'm also writing a, a, another feature script that's, that's set in Europe. I mean, I see a lot of my work is taking place over there and um, I think I'll be spending more time there in the next, in the next few years. At least I, at least I hope so. We'll see what happens with our election in the States in November too. And that might play a role. Well, I'm excited to see what you're going to create next. And yeah, one step at a time, elections first. Elections first, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll see, we'll see what yeah. happens. But I, I'm really happy to, to be able to talk about the film. And, and I hope to have some news soon about where people will be able to see it next as well. Yeah, that'd be great. And um, I just wanted to thank you for making the film. And thank you for... Um, chatting with me today. Thank you so much. It was great to chat with you. And I'm so happy that it, that it touched you in the way that it did. That's the greatest gift to me as a, as a filmmaker. So thank you. Alifia is a creative powerhouse who works at the intersection of experiential and interactive content and traditional filmmaking. She's currently the content director for the immersive entertainment company Mealwolf in LA. She's been part of numerous award-winning production teams, and her work has been screened at the world's major film festivals, Venice, Sundance, SXSW. You can connect with Alethea through her website, A-L-E-T-H-E-A-C-A-V-R-A-M-I-S dot com. But you'll also find the links in today's episode notes at podcast.theonefierceheart.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time with a brand new episode.